Good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 25, a Christmas special. This episode is a little bit different in that uh, most of the time when I uh, when I do these episodes, it's led by my guest. You know, I, I speak to a guest and that informs the episode. This time, I just, I really wanted to um, do a Bobcast in time for Christmas because, well, I thought it was uh, a good uh, occasion and also I know a lot of people are travelling and so, you know, for those of you like me who like to listen to podcasts while they're driving, I thought it would be a good opportunity to do one. But I was like, well, who am I going to ask at such short notice? Um, And, of course, I've called on my guest who will be familiar to regular listeners. He's been on a few times before. He's my only repeat guest. In fact, this will be the fourth one that he's done. And his name is Josh Pike. Uh, so if you've enjoyed the podcast before that Josh and I have recorded together, then hopefully you will enjoy this one. It's been an amazing year, 2017. It's been a full-on year. And if you will indulge me, I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. I was thinking about doing a Facebook post and stuff, but you know, it's really hard to do this stuff on Facebook without it sort of sounding like one of those horrible kind of humble brags. I started the year playing shows in people's lounge rooms with Parla in January. Um, I did a massive solo tour of regional and capital cities earlier in the year, which was really, really great. And I also went to Japan for the first time ever and played my, my, my first ever shows in Osaka, Japan, which was amazing. Also during the year, I was really excited and proud to to launch Music With Mates along with Christine Lay, which is a, a non-for-profit uh, community-based uh, project where we uh, invite new arrivals to Australia, migrants, those with of refugee backgrounds living in Melbourne, to go and see rock shows. And we've taken people to see Paul Dempsey and Busby Maru and Montaigne and um, lots and lots of other shows. I won't sort of list them all, but that's been amazing. Also, I was in a car accident and my car got written off, which was kind of a massive bummer. I'm fine. I was totally fine. But my car was written off and and that, that was kind of, that hit me harder than I thought it was going to because I'm not a materialistic person. I guess there are some things, objects that I realize that I attach uh, a lot of uh, sentiment and, and emotion to. And this car was kind of one of the... I bought this car in 2008. It was a second-hand car, uh, a Mitsubishi. And those of you who know the song Ode to My Car, this was not. This was Mitsubishi Part 2. But I bought this car just after um, Suburban Songbook came out and, you know, I started to make a, a very small amount of money <laughs> and bought myself a car and I've been driving it ever since and it got written off in a car crash on my way home from a music with mates uh thing um so yeah that happened which was kind of a bummer also too an amazing thing uh Jebediah my band Jebediah supported Midnight Oil twice uh for their Australian the Australian leg of their world tour that they did which was incredible we played in uh, up at the big pineapple we played the Big Pineapple in the Sunshine Coast and we played at the Big Banana at Coffs Harbour. I, I don't know. I mean, look, Midnight Oil got a lot of different bands and artists to support them at lots of different shows. And for some reason, they just they uh, asked Jebediah to play at the two big Australian 
tourist attractions, the pineapple and the banana. So we were uh, honoured and thrilled. And what made that just even more amazing, if it could be more incredible, is the second gig we did with them was at Coffs Harbour. And my brother Brett, who plays drums in Jebediah, his partner was pregnant and ended up giving birth to their baby daughter literally 10 minutes before we were about to go on stage. It was such a... I mean, look, I can only imagine how uh, Brett was feeling, but it was really awesome and, um, and yeah, definitely a gig that uh, I'll never, ever forget. Um, yeah, so 2017, it's almost over, and, uh, yeah, I'm kind of... I'm, uh, it's, it's been a good year, but it's just been so... F- it's been so full on because in amongst all that stuff that I mentioned, of course, you know, I've been, uh, I'm a dad, you know, to, to two girls aged six and four now. And it's just been an intense year. And I'm, I've kind of got to the end of this year feeling really, really exhausted, which I know a lot of, a lot of you probably feel as well, you know, like I've never run a marathon before. So that's probably a, a, a not the best analogy to make, but, um, I kind of feel like I'm limping towards the finish line of some kind of epic race. But uh, but yeah, glad to make it through to the end of it another year. And I'm also, you know, so uh, feel so honoured and privileged that there's a bunch of you out there that have gone on the journey with me for another year, coming to shows or listening to my music or listening to this podcast. I appreciate it so much and I hope that... Uh, You've enjoyed that trip as much as I have, um, and hopefully there'll be many more adventures to come next year and in following years. Okay, so episode 25, the Christmas special with Josh Pike. Now, there is a bit of a technical glitch. We spoke via Skype. Often that can be, you know, a little bit problematic. Um, Now, the the technical glitch, it's slight. It's basically what happened was... um, there was this sort of interference. I could hear it through my headphones while we were talking, but I thought, ah, oh, it's probably not being recorded. It's probably just something that's come, coming through my headphones. But when I listened back to the recording, I realised it was being recorded on my end, not at Josh's end. Um, I think about 50 minutes into the podcast, which is pretty close to the end, I realised that the uh, sort of interference, digital noise that is coming through, was coming from my computer because I turned it off and it went away. Um, so lesson learnt there next time when I'm talking via Skype for one of these things. Turn the computer off if I hear that noise. That's probably the problem. I don't think it's that bad. Like I, I've obviously listened through to it, edited out as much of it as I possibly can. But there are times when I'm talking where you can hear this. So You know what it sounds like? It kind of sounds like a sort of farting noise. A digital fart. It's kind of like, you know, Uncle Kev, Uncle Bob, uh, you know, he's he's had his eggnog, he's eaten his trifle, and then he's gone in for a slice of fruitcake, and now he's sitting on his easy chair, just, just slowly, lightly farting away in the background. So um, <laughs> I hope... I, I don't think that it's... Uh, if I thought that it was going to destroy the, the podcast, I wouldn't have bothered uh, putting it out. But I, I think it's still listenable, and I and I hope, it's, uh, I hope it isn't too annoying for you. I, I think it's pretty minor. Anyway, 
I just wanted to let you know that that was the case. Um, as always, uh, you can access all the songs that we talk about on this podcast and on all the previous podcasts by visiting Spotify. Uh, the Good Evans It's a Bobcast soundtrack has all the songs there. Uh, if you're listening to this through iTunes or any medium for that matter, I would love for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Apparently it helps. I don't know how all this stuff works, but from listening to other podcasts, apparently if you get rated and reviewed a lot, then it puts it in the charts and then that means more people can find out about it. So I'd really appreciate you doing that if you have been enjoying it. Uh, I've got a couple of shows coming up in January uh, as Bob Evans. I'll be playing in Ballarat on January the 7th at the Botanical Gardens. It's a free show. And I'm also playing at my local pub, the Ocean Grove Hotel, on January the 10th. And you can buy tickets for that through my website, bobevans.com.au. Jeb and I are also playing a bunch of Hotter Than Hell shows, which is kind of this touring thing. But we're just doing the Queensland show. So this is for Queenslanders only. Jeb and I will be playing uh, four shows. Uh, through January and February with a bunch of other awesome bands like Eskimo Joe and Grinspoon and uh, Killing Heidi and Super Jesus and Friends of Rome, I think, as well, are doing one. Um, Body Jar, I think, maybe. Those shows are in uh, Gladstone and Townsville and Ipswich and Redland Bay from memory. Uh, anyway, if those if you're in Queensland, in those cities, and the, that sounds appealing to you, you can find out all the information by going to the Jebediah Facebook page or jebediah.net. And you can also buy tickets through that. Uh, as usual, there will be some language. So the regular language warnings apply if you don't like f and k. And actually, there's no C's. There's no C's. There's just a lot of F's. A few F's. Not that many. So, yeah, a bit of just a, a warning about that. If you are listening to this podcast in the car with kids in the back, and then, yeah, maybe, I don't know, it's probably a little bit too adult for that. Um, all right, I think that's enough of my yakking. I know you are probably not listening to this podcast to hear all this intro stuff. You're probably listening to hear the chat. So uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you all get to have some time off from your work, get to spend time with your family, your friends, the people around you uh, that you love I hope it's a safe uh, holiday season for you and I hope that you all uh, come back uh, next year full of revitalised vigour and, and enthusiasm for 2018. Thanks heaps. I hope you enjoy this podcast and I'll see you next year. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. Cheers. This is episode 25 the Christmas special of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. Welcome back again to the podcast, my good mate, Mr. Josh Pye. Ow! Ow, 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 ow! <laughs> ow. 
Now, this is uh, the uh, Christmas special, and I haven't done a Christmas special before. Well, it's only the second Christmas since I've been doing the Bobcast, but I just thought this might be something nice. But I thought before we started talking about Christmas, I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that it was your birthday recently. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. Um, the big 4-0. It was 40, yeah. It was, I tell you what, though, it didn't party like a 40-year-old. I partied like a 17-year-old. It was great. <laughs> So what does what does a Josh Pike seventeen year old party like? <clears throat> well, I really I just like my wife was like, do you want to do a party this year? You know, it's a big big uh, you know big celebration, or do you want to go yeah. go on holidays Pressure. or something? Yeah, yeah. And so we were going to do it at a venue, like at a bar or something like that. And then I was like, you know what? What I actually want is just all my friends to come around to our house and just get drunk and like play ping pong and like have a jam in the studio and. And then she was like, okay, well, why don't we get some cocktail waiters to, you know, lift it up, take it up a notch. So that's what yep. we did. So I bought a ping pong table, had it out on the deck, um, and I had a totem tennis thing up, and I set up the studio for jamming. But then what I also did was I asked if they, if people were willing to prepare a short stand-up comedy routine as well. And Wow. Yeah. And so only only about four people did it. <laughs> But I drank. Okay, I, well, kudos, kudos to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, people. it was funny because Sarah, Sarah, my wife, was like, this party is just set up for extroverts. This is like, this is, this party is a, <laughs> yeah, this party is an introvert's <laughs> nightmare. Um, <laughs> and people had actually gotten in touch beforehand and said like, oh, you know, really looking forward to the party, but I, I just don't think I can do a comedy routine. Thanks for, you know. I just want to, I just want to run through my routine with you yeah. just quickly. Just, I just want to fire off a few jokes and we, just tell me if they fly. You would have, you would have been great. Anyway, so a few people did it. Like Stab from Blue Juice got up in a kimono and did a, routine oh my god uh, oh, that was, yeah i can totally imagine that yeah, yeah a few a few people like that but uh anyway it was really great and i ended up passed out on my lawn at 1am and then my wife had to put various other friends of mine to bed at about three in various parts of the house and it was great it's what you want did you perform a stand-up act yeah of course i did i couldn't ask other people yeah it was great. that's right yeah so like let's just give us like give us just your best your, your best one-liner from it. Oh, it, was, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> my, best, my best one I actually stole. So this was part of what would make it funny for me. My drummer was there, <laughs> Russell, and he had told me a joke on the road on our last tour that he'd made up. And he was, because we, we often talk about like what we do at a stand-up comedy routine. And, and he, uh, he had made up this joke, right? And so I stole his joke and made sure that I went on before him and then used <laughs> used what I knew would be his opening joke as my finale joke. And I was just, as I was telling it, I was looking him oh. in the eye and he just looked so dirty. But the joke is, um, I was like, celebrity, you know, celebrity can be hard. It's hard to make friends, you know. Not many people know that Michael Jackson found it really hard to make friends. Uh, but, you know, he uh, he actually had one really close friend from Australia. Not many people know this, but... Actually, the comedian, uh, it was a comedian from Australia, an Irish-Australian comedian that's really great friends with him. And he actually name-checked name checked him, in, him in almost all of his songs. And then I went, Jim Moen! And, I, <laughs> and I, I, I did a Michael Jackson yeah. knee kick, uh, and that was it. And it, the crowd went wild. There's a very tangible risk at, you know, at a 40th that a, a uh, you know, exuberant knee kick could actually, yeah, you know... Result in surgery. Put your knee out. Yeah, result surgery. Yeah, you, you, I'm glad the paramedics didn't have to be called out. Well, I needed surgery on my brain after the party, i got to say. But the, the other thing was, <laughs> I, I had said, like, no, you know, kids to leave after eight. So we'd arranged babysitting yeah. for my kids. 
But then, like, other people brought their kids and they just weren't leaving. I was like, we can't send our kids away from their own house when other kids are here. So the kids were up yeah. until, like, you know, 10 or 11. And I, at one point, I remember, like, I, I, I remember through a haze seeing my four-year-old come out holding his blankie going, Dad, you're being too loud. I can't sleep. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, anyway. oh man. It was it's just so, hard to, it's just so hard to celebrate a fucking birthday these days, isn't it? Oh, I, it, I'm, it was the best. I got to say, it was the best. <laughs> I had like played no, ping pong. I wish I, I wish I could have been there. Alana Stone oh, turns out to be like a really good ping pong player, which I wasn't expecting. It was great. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Christmas, Josh. Um, what, what, are your, what are your sort of memories growing up with Christmas? How did your family celebrate Christmas? What was a, what was a Pike Christmas like? Uh, so our Christmas was always, um, we always went to my mum's parents' house uh, in yep. Strathfield. So we'd do a little family uh, celebration in the morning where we'd like give our gifts to, you know, to my immediate family, my sisters and my parents. Um, and then we'd go off to my grand grandma's house and the enduring memory of that was my grandma always made this amazing trifle and that was her thing. Oh, of course. And it, In classic grandma style. It was classic and it was filled with brandy. And I remember Yes. When so I have cousins who are fifteen years younger than me, but they're they're great friends of mine. I remember when they were um about five or six, grandma would always make an alcoholic trifle and a non-alcoholic trifle yeah and they're oh, okay so they're triplets right and i remember when they, they were all three of them were in their little high chairs when they're about oh they were younger they were maybe like two and they got the wrong trifle and i remember all of them just kind of like slumped over in their high chairs asleep uh, at the um <laughs> at the lunch table because they'd gotten the wrong trifle it was great perfect that's perfect you know what that's just given me a great idea for when we eventually do make a christmas record together which we will that's of course. the title the wrong trifle. The wrong trifle. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many dad jokes that can go with that. It's just a, you know, it's a trifle wrong. Or a, <laughs> a trifle, trifle wrong. wrong. A trifle wrong. And then a picture of no, a trifle. <laughs> a trifle wrong. That's brilliant. I, I remember only once or twice, because my um, extended family all lived interstate or overseas. But I do remember, I do have one memory of eating a, my my dad's mum's trifle once she must have come over from sydney to visit you know once when i was a little kid and absolutely fucking loving this trifle mm. like oh my god i mean and obviously you know as, as it, it was probably you know the a future alcoholic just getting a taste <laughs> of a taste of something a taste of the medicine <laughs> and, and and agreeing with them yeah, like, yeah. This, this is it is sweet and it makes me feel extra lovely yeah and you know the the beautiful thing is my both my grandparents have passed away now but we we still someone in my family will make a trifle on uh christmas as a tribute so that's very nice, nice. but yeah but is that ever you do you, do you know how to make a, a good trifle you're a bit of a you know, you're a bit of a master chef, oh, Josh. Look, yeah, you you flatter me. Um, no, I don't. I've never made the trifle, but it can't be that hard. It's just like jelly and brandy and cake or something, isn't it? And cream or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I can. It has to be moist though. It's got to be moist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super moist. Um, what do, what do you guys what do you guys do now? Because you're you're down in um in Golden Grove there. You know, Ocean Grove. Well, we because uh, my wife uh, Kristen. Um, her family is all over here in Victoria. My family, obviously, in Perth. So, for years, pretty much ever since we got together, which was a long, long time ago now, when we were like twenty or something, um, we always kind of alternated, you know, Christmases. Mm. I'd, I'd go to Victoria one year, and she'd come to Perth the other year. 
Now, then since when we moved to Melbourne, we sort of kept that up a little bit. But now that we've got kids, we've kind of changed it. So, like, last year was the first year ever where we had Christmas in our own house. Mm. The first year since we've been together, pretty much. Um, certainly the first year since we've had kids where we just went, you know what, fuck it. Like, we're not going to go anywhere. We're just going to wake up on Christmas morning in our own house. Yeah. Um, and Which was great. Um, and I'm really glad we did it. But um, a lot of... Kristen's family came to us on Christmas Day, so we ended up having to like put on a big Christmas oh, do for right. heaps of people. And it was, you know, and I shouldn't complain too much because my wife did most of the work, but it was a lot. It was kind of stressful. So I, I'm looking forward to this year. We're going to go to her her mum her mum's place up in in the country in Benella, which I've spent quite a lot of Christmases at, and uh, I'm quite looking forward to it because just being able to go to someone else's house and yeah. Not have to, uh, you know, worry about feeding everybody. No, basically. you ba- you basically <laughs> want to go to somebody else's house, eat eat food, and then sneak off to a couch somewhere and fall asleep. That's like, isn't that what dads do? Yeah. I haven't done that yet, but uh, I mean, isn't that? <laughs> that's what I remember my my dad and my uncle doing every year, and my grandfather was like, after lunch, uh, you know, they tidied up and everything, and then it, they would just disappear somewhere, and all the kids would play. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so you know, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But it, you know what? It's funny when you when you start to have kids and you and your your family, you know, you have the sort of suburban diaspora thing. You um you have to instigate the off year, which is what we've done in the last two yeah. years. So you know you have your on the year and the off year. So this year is my off year with my my parents, my family, and it's yep. it's my on year with uh, Sarah's family. So we're having a small celebration at my house on the um on Christmas Eve with my mum and dad and my sister who lives in Wollongong and a couple of friends of ours who've just had a couple of little kids and moved back to yep. Australia. Uh, and then we'll have the big the big family thing the following day and then it'll mm. it'll switch around the, the next year. But it's bloody hectic, man. I'm like, I am, an, I am known to be a humbugger, like a real humbugger, right? Right. Um, okay. So a little bit, cyn- just a bit, just you err on the side of cynicism when it comes to, Christmas. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not cynical exactly. Like I, and and particularly now having children, I really enjoy seeing them enjoy it. I, I enjoy looking through their eyes, and you know they believe in Santa still. They that we you know we have the yeah. the calendar out, and we give them treats from the elves, and they they love it, and it's exciting. They write their lists, and they're they're super excited about it. So I can really get into it through their eyes. But if I did not have kids, I would barely bat an eyelid at Christmas. I just do not. Mm. I'd, on a personal level, I do not give a shit. It doesn't represent... Yeah, it yeah. represents nothing that I believe in. Um, yeah. The only good thing about it is is um, pleasing your children and getting together with family, you know? So, Which is great. For me growing up, because like growing up in Perth, it was literally just my mum, my dad, me and my two brothers. Like We didn't have any family in Perth. Our closest family lived in Sydney and then the rest of them were in the UK. So... Christmas was kind of a little bit, I mean, I don't want to kind of sound like I'm complaining. Christmas was great. You know, we got presents and it was, it was, it was wonderful. You know, I was very lucky, but like, it was kind of also just like hanging out with the same people that I hang out with every other fucking day. And I, and, and as I got older, I started to really envy my friends, you know, when they talked about the big extended family, like 20, 30 people, everyone would go around to grandma's house or someone's house, whatever. And it would be such a big event with all these, with all these people all gathered in the one spot. And, and it's kind of seemed kind of special. And I always 
Well, I, I, I gradually started to become a little bit envious of that because it's like, man, Christmas for me, it's just like we have our presents and by midday, it's just like, well, you know, it's, it's done, just yeah. just like any other day. <laughs> just another day. It's just another day. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I think like if you happen to be religious, there would be a lot of beautiful things to kind of uh, celebrate about it and you'd go to church and you'd go to mass and all those kind of things. But for me, I mean, as an atheist, it's 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 an irrelevant day you know like yeah. it doesn't you know you have to yeah and then you know with you know the coca-cola christmas kind of vibe you have to actually you know the, the reason i enjoy it now is because it's a beautiful time for my yeah. children um who who also just i guess through indoctrination by me don't believe in god but which i find this is the thing that i find ironic about christmas right they they don't believe in god um well they say they don't they're, they're kids so they may change their mind when they're older but uh, at the moment, they say they don't believe in God, but they definitely believe in Santa Claus and the elves. And my wife and I, compl- and I feel guilty about it every night when we hide our little presents in the <laughs> calendar. I feel like we're we're just indoctrinating them into believing in something that's that we're eventually going to have to break their like. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know? Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, we feed the we feed the lie. We feed the lie of Santa and everything. They they buy into it. I've also. You've been interested to notice that straight away, like whenever they see Santa at like a shopping center or on TV or whatever, they've never once thought that that was actually Santa. So they've able to kind of they always go, oh, that's just someone dressed up as Santa. But yeah, it's yes. never made it's never made them think that Santa doesn't exist. Well, they just kind of go, thing. oh, that's someone that's someone clearly dressed up as Santa, but the real Santa. But they still believe in the in the real Santa in it. Yeah. So they they already understand the idea of a franchise, right? That's you know they understand franchising, <laughs> and and like you know they it's understand a, yeah. uh, you know division of labor and stuff like that, but they don't they don't understand that there is no Santa. And the the sad thing is you know like so my my oldest son is seven now, and it's I can see him every now and then going like, hang on, why would the elves be giving us like, you know sometimes if we haven't gotten anything for the calendar we'll just give him two two bucks or something like that, or bubble gum you know hubba bubba bubble gum. And I remember yeah. him going like, oh, I saw, I saw mum buy a bubblegum at Coles the other day. And, you know, it's starting to tweak. And, and we have discussed like how are we going to approach that when, it, when he doesn't believe anymore because he has a four-year-old brother, right, who still mm. believes. And so the, the way we're going to approach it is by saying to him, you, you know, it's not true, but you've had a beautiful time with it and now it's your turn to be responsible and to right. you know, allow your brother to have this beautiful time until he's ready to you know, figure it out for himself. But even that just seems like a such an elaborate ploy, you know? <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, well, let's... Uh, I thought for this special Christmas edition of Good Evans at the Bobcast, we would uh, talk about some of our favourite Christmas-themed songs, of which there are countless, mm. you know, countless, there's, there's so many out there. And, and actually, you know, in sort of prepping for this, I... I, I said to you, you know, come up with three and I'll come up with three as well. And um, I kind of found it hard to narrow it down. I realised that I there was a lot more that Christmas songs that I liked um, yeah. than I first realised. Um, there was, and maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll do some notable mentions of where we can quickly fire off some songs that didn't quite make it. But um, I thought, you know, seeing as though you're the guest, you could start things off uh, with uh, one of your uh, top three Christmas-themed songs. All right, so I'm going to start off with one that is, it's actually a high, you know, an incredibly traditional uh, Christmas song that everybody knows, 
But the reason it's notable to me is because it was actually the first song that I ever performed live in my life. Wow. And it was the, it was, it's uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but it was a rocked up version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Right, okay. It was, you know, Um, like, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not But I was singing like this. Before the famous Josh Pike voice dropped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was I was twelve and it was it was my end of year Christmas concert in year six, my final year of primary school. Yeah. That was the first performance I ever did. It's when I joined a band and I literally that performance and that night changed my life. Like I was completely it was a complete epiphany. I was completely hooked. And so so with, this song, song, yeah. with this song, because there's been so many versions of it, you probably have got no idea what version it was that you sang back then. No, I just... my So my friends were already in a band and I was asked to join as a singer and I just kind of played their version. Um, but, I mean, maybe there was a version that they were... I guess there was probably a version that they were They probably covering. sort of... Yeah, that's right. They probably learnt from a, a particular version, but, God, there's been so many. Um, just a little bit of background on that song, because I did do a tiny bit of research. Um, uh, it was written by John Fredericks Coots and mm. Haven Gillespie, and it first its first appearance was a, a live performance on a radio show in 1934. Wow. So, um, so yeah, been around for a long time. It was an instant hit. Immediately, as soon as people heard it, everybody loved it, and of course, that was the beginning of a very long, to this day, um, uh, a, a long uh, history of uh, versions of this song. I think like somebody came out very quickly after 1934 with a recording of it. It became a massive hit, and it's probably been covered every year since yeah you know I, I mean that's the sort of song like if you can nail one it's like writing happy birthday or mariah carey's um you know christmas song if you can write a song that just you know you can just collect those royalties every year yeah i mean that is that is the way to go and christmas birthdays you know wed, a wedding song you know all that shit that's where the gold is kev that's where the gold is that's what Absolutely. that's why I mean- we, we need to do this we do. We do need to do it. Um, and uh, I think it would be a, a, a wonderful idea that many people listening to this right now would fully support. But only but for yes. the money. I just want to make it clear. It would, <laughs> I don't believe in Christmas, so it would, it would only be for the money. No, I'm just no but this would be a good dynamic that we could really play with on our Christmas uh-huh. album. It's yeah. like, you could be, you, you could be, it could be bad cop, good cop thing, you know? You could be... <laughs> 
we just do all these like Christmas duets where you you play the bad cop and I play the good cop, you know? Yeah. Like I'm the I'm just the atheist humbug and you're the um deep religious deeply religious the, Yeah. I'm just, that's right. Just that's the right, idealist. I'm the idealist. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned Mariah Carey and um and of of any of, of sort of modern times, I mean, she seems to be the one. Her Christmas album every year. I noticed this, you know, in researching before this, that um, once again her Christmas album is like back up on the charts. Like that mm. Christmas album she did, I think maybe in the nineties or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's become the modern. It's 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 kind of up there now with like your classic fucking Frank Sinatra and. Bing yeah, Crosby. yeah. Christmas albums now—it's like the modern classic of Christmas albums. Well, you know, I always, I always find irony is a good, um, a good uh, mark of the years. And so, when it first came out, it wasn't ironic at all. No. And it went through a, a period where, it, you know, it was ironic to sing that song and ironic to like that song. And now it's just like it's just like you say, it's like Frank Sinatra or something. You know, Bing Crosby. We don't listen to those Christmas albums ironically, and I don't think people are listening to Mariah Carey ironically. Anymore, it's come full circle, and I don't know if it's credible exactly, but it's 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 legit. It's just a legit Christmas album now. It's a standard. It's a classic. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, all right, well, I'm going to go to one of mine now, and um, this Christmas song was one that I was a massive hit, but I um, I only for somehow I've missed it, um, and I only came across it a couple of uh, how many years ago now? I was doing some Christmas shows. Um, I did a, a run of Christmas shows at the Northcote Social Club in Melbourne in at the end of 2013, and um, and I got different guests to come up and join me. And one of my guests, my good mate Davy Lane, suggested that we uh, do a cover of one of his favourite Christmas songs, and it's a song by an English band called Slade. And it's oh, called, I love Slade. Yeah. It's called Merry Christmas, Everybody. Are you released in 1973 and it was you know how in England and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would know the UK has got this kind of funny kind of tradition of Christmas you know number ones right like every year at Christmas like pop stars kind of battle it out to get the number one position it seems like quite a unique thing to that part of the world I don't think it happens anywhere else Um, but this was the Christmas number one of 1973 when uh, on to sell over a million copies, so an incredibly successful uh, Christmas song, and um, I'm so glad that Davey introduced me to this song because it's so fucking cool. I mean, like, uh, there's just something so 
I mean, it's 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 overwhelmingly positive. I was reading about the guy who the singer in Slade who wrote the song and how he was trying, and it was you know in context, you know, 1973 probably wasn't the it was kind of probably tough times in England at mm. the time, and he was like trying to write this you know very nostalgic kind of quintessential song about what your average English family. Um, experience during Christmas and and it's all very hopeful and optimistic you know um, there's lines in it like you know it's it's only just begun you know it's very sort of optimistic about the future and I think that that kind of uh, resonated with a lot of people at the time Um, Mm. was it with the 70s was that Thatcher or was that before Thatcher 1973 it might have been pre-Thatcher I guess probably just coming out of the Vietnam War oh yeah of course yeah 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 Um, but it's but there's there's a and I urge I, I urge anyone listening to uh, check out the video clip for this because they I, I don't think it's an official clip I don't think they ever made an official clip but it's this wonderful kind of um, uh, like live recording they're probably miming uh, I don't know I'd have to watch it again to be sure but um uh, they're on a TV show um, probably a Christmas special on TV playing the song and and Slade are like a you know they're I don't know how you describe them like a prog kind of like it's pre it's kind of like I guess a, like a prog rock band I yeah. Mean, it's pre, yeah yeah it's it's pre I mean it's it's they're not like a metal band or anything but I, I guess they're in that sort of prog rock kind of world and um there's just something so fucking funny about seeing them play this like really joyous Christmas song but it's a great pop song it's so super catchy um and, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of they're they're, they're embracing the cheese. It was it was quote. probably their most was it? I'd be interested to know if it was their most successful song. It, I'd say there's a very good chance of that. I mean, they were a, a really popular band at the time. Um, but from sort of my my quick bit of reading on Wikipedia, apparently it was like their seventh and maybe their final UK number one. So they were they were they were basically they were at the top of their game when they put and this they, song they just out. went for it. <laughs> they just and, and went that's for right. It. And I mean, you know, there's something to be said for that. If you're at the top of your game, that's the time to put out a cheesy Christmas song, right? And well, really... maybe, or is it, or is that the beginning of the end? Who knows? No, because if know. you do it, then you're guaranteed to slay it. <laughs> oh, mercy! Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I went there. I did that. Um, so yeah, so Slade, Merry Christmas, everybody. Check out the video clip. It's very, very funny, and it's also just a fucking really wonderful, wonderful pop song. Hey, um, hey speaking of Davy Lane, this is a bit of a segue, yep. but we we like to do those. Um, have you read uh, Tim Rogers' uh, book Detours? I have indeed. Yes, I I, I was I, very was lucky to be given a copy of it because at the time that it came out. I was filling in for Miff Warhurst on Double J and he was um, scheduled to come in to do an interview to talk about the book. So they gave, they rushed me a copy of the book and I had to read it. And we were actually, Jeff and I were on tour with you and I at the time. So oh, really? Like, <laughs> I had, so I had to fucking read this book as fast as I could because I, like, because I didn't want to be caught fucking backstage by Tim <laughs> reading his fucking book. How uh, good is it? It's so yeah, good. Yeah, it's so good. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's it. it's the best um, music sort of... I mean, you wouldn't even really call it a memoir. It's just... It's more like just memories, you know, rather than a... Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. What, what is the definition of memoir? I mean, he, he refers to it as a memoir. Well, yeah. Okay, um, well, I'll, I'll certainly go not. A, it's not an autobiography. 
no. But it's just brilliant. It's so beautifully written and yeah, really, ah, oh, just like so much stuff in there that I can relate to, in a, mm. you know, like in a, just a, a. I like the fact that it's it's not really about any kind of triumphs or like bragging about, you know, musical accomplishments and you know touring. No, Dick's, there's Dick's almost none stories. of that. Yeah, I mean, just, if you're a, if you're a UMI fan and you're looking for the UMI story, forget the reading yeah. the book because you're not yeah. going to get it. It's just great. It's really, really well written, which is really exciting to see like what's going to come next about that. It's really great. Yeah. And, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, it's pretty much almost Christmas, so your time to buy Christmas presents is pretty much almost over. But uh, what a great Christmas present that book would just be. Just get, get people buy. on iTunes voucher, Amazon voucher, yeah. get into it, do yourself a favour. Well, oh, next, week a- on, uh, <laughs> next week on Bob and Josh's Book Club... Uh, <laughs> We're going to be looking at Eat, Pray, Love, a classic, a and then the Bible. There's a wonderful Tex Perkins quote that I wrote uh, that I read because um, Tex have put out a book just a, just a few weeks before Tim's book came out. You know, Did which he? is quite ah, funny because that is obviously funny. you know they're of a similar vintage and good friends and all that kind of stuff. And I read this really. I mean, Tex is a, a, a as a incredibly uh, dry wit, and uh, he he had a cracking quote where he in an interview where he said, um, because they asked, the interviewer said, you know, Tim Rogers is putting out a book as well or whatever, and his response was, well, you know, yeah, Tim's is the kind of book that they're going to be talking on, talking about on the book show on ABC, and mine's the kind of book that you're going to pick up and read because you've got to fly to Perth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was funny because Tim, Tim Tim's mate with, mates with uh, Richard Flanagan, and I was talking to Tim about Richard Flanagan, the Australian author, because I've just started reading one of his books, and I've I've met him a few times through the ILF stuff that I do, and I didn't know Tim was mates with him, but apparently on the day that Tim's book came out, Richard Flanagan sent him a copy of his finished book, and and it was like Tim was like, oh great, thanks a lot. So yeah. he was like, <laughs> me me first time author releasing a book, being yeah. you know receiving Richard Flanagan this luminary, yeah yeah. I mean I guess that's the point is there's somebody's everybody's got somebody to look up to like right, me with cause... you like me with you mate. <laughs> well I wasn't going to say it Josh but oh, I'd say know, it say it. It. It, was, it was it was hanging in the air slightly um, <laughs> on slightly on way incredible <laughs> Christmas so uh, what's another Christmas song you got for us Josh. So the next one, uh, I'm going to leave my my actual favourite one to last. But the next one I was going to talk about is a song, a song called uh, "Jesus Christ" by Big Star. Angels from the realms of glory, stars shone bright above. Royal David City was bathed. Across this song, um, a friend of mine uh, called Dave Kotsis, who plays in a bunch of indie bands like Machine Machine and uh, Peter Fonda and these uh, the Woods themselves, these kind of indie Sydney bands. Anyway, he he was a big fan and he played it to me and I I just just didn't like it at all. 
And I, I quite like Big Star. Like, he introduced me to Big Star as well. We used to live together. And I like Big Star, you know. I, I like it and I, I get it. And then and then this this song, it's like... I, I just... I read the lyrics and it's just like... It's so, like, mundanely religious. Like, it just it just basically says, like, the Star of David, da-da-da-da, three men came along. And it says, Jesus Christ is born, Jesus Christ is born. And... For me, it's a really successful song for them. But for me, this is one of the least successful Christmas songs because there's no edge to it all. To it at all. It just seems like they've basically gotten a normal Christmas carol and then made it into a kind of, uh, you know, like a power pop song. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not a favorite one of mine. But I just thought it was an interesting one because it's. I think a lot of people think of this as a really cool, credible. Christmas right. song, and I just, I just don't buy into it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because you know, I, I, would, I wasn't aware of the song. Um, it comes off their third album, titled Third, um, and <laughs> I, I've kind of, I, I have dug a bit of Big Star that I've, I've been introduced to Big Star, sort of uh, by proxy of a lot of stuff that I like. I was, they were a big pr- sort of precursor to a, you know, that sort of power pop thing, like you mentioned. Um, like Teenage Fan Club and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I've kind of discovered them sort of through all these 90s power pop bands that I liked. Um, I guess they were, this song probably would have come out, what, in the late 80s? Would it? I think I so, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I, think, I think late 80s. I think they were the, yeah, as you say, the precursor to all that kind of early 90s, late 80s stuff. So, yeah. I, but, it, I think like, so. where does it lie in the fact that, you know, like, it's one of those songs, like, if you're not quite sure if it's being cynical or earnest is that a failing or is that the best thing about it like well, may, maybe i don't know so I'm for me sure. in this song i i don't i'm i don't know but it says the last line is um and they kind of say it and they say like and we're going to get born too or something like that and and for me that's the only hint that it might be that they might be being ironic and that they might be kind of it, it might be a little bit of a fuck you to uh to mm. religion and because it kind of for me maybe that's them going like you know going through it and then going like and we're gonna get born too you know and <clears throat> sort of saying we're we're opening our eyes to religion maybe i don't know um all right my next christmas song is uh, a song called must be santa Who's got a beard that's long and white? Santa's got a beard that's long and white. Who comes round on special night? Santa comes round on special night. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa, must be Santa, must be Santa, Santa Claus. Who wears boots and suit of red? Santa wears boots and suit of red. Who wears a long cap on his head? Santa wears a long cap on his head. Cap on his suit of red. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. I discovered this song through the Bob Dylan Christmas album that came out in 2009. Um, yeah, I 
soon as I heard it, I immediately loved it because it's just so fucking funny. Um, it was, it's actually a song written by Hal Moore and Bill Fredericks from 1960, and it was based on a German beer drinking song, which makes complete sense when you hear the song. It's got that full-on kind of oompa kind of feel to it. Um, and it's a, like a call and response thing. And, and I have noticed actually just this Christmas that Target have been using it um, in their commercials. Oh. Um, have you have you heard? Do you know the song? No, I don't. I don't know it. Or maybe I you do know, know it, but I just I didn't know. Yeah, the context. Yeah, like after hearing that song, um, me and Adelita did uh, we we did a, a cover of it on a bunch of live shows, and we even we recorded it on a, a Triple J. I don't I don't know how to get a copy of the recording. I don't know. Um, yeah, how anybody? Aren't you could like a? Uh, aren't you a? Aren't you a regular DJ on on uh, ABC? Can't you just talk to your peeps? Well, I probably could if I tried, but uh, but look, what I'm saying is that I don't. If if anybody is able to find a version of mine and Adelita's, uh, must be Santa. I'd love to hear about it, um, but I don't know if it's uh, if it's ever been published on the World Wide Web. But um, what was what was Dylan's version like? Oh, look, it's basically just like the original, except he's going, Have you ever seen Bob Dylan live? I have, yeah. yeah. I, I saw him when he toured in 19... I think I got tickets um, when, cause this was when Jebs was signed to Sony and he was on Columbia and he toured in like 90... Fuck, 97, 98 maybe, 98. Mm. Australian tour. He was supported by Patti Smith, which was amazing. As oh well. wow, amazing! Yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw them. Saw them both in Perth, um, and he was great. I mean, I thought he was fantastic. I know every time he tours, you know, it, there's always so much fucking, you know, uh, this debate about about it. Um, a lot of people kind of come up, go, oh shit, you know, he doesn't talk to the audience, and you know, his his singing's not very good, and all that. It's just kind of like. Shut up! It's fucking Bob Dylan. What yeah, fucking, I, what do you expect? I had, a, I had like, a similar experience. I got uh, I, so I saw him in it would have been two thousand and ten or something maybe, um, and it was you know it was at the entertainment center, but I had good seats and I took my dad, who's a huge fan, um, and it was it, it was almost bad like it was almost bad you know like he, he didn't talk to the audience my favorite song is tangled up in blue and he played that in three four which i found uh, <laughs> hard to fathom you know it was like yeah. ding dang dang ding dang ding ding dang dang ding dang dang we were married when we first met ding, dang, soon to be divorced ding, dang, boom, yeah. i was like and it took me about until the chorus until i was like oh fuck this is tangled up in blue this is this is not the version i wanted to hear but it was it was Bob Dylan, and then he did this long meandering like piano organ shit, which was legitimately bad. But it was also like the guy's like pretty bloody old, you know, and he's still up yeah. there for three hours playing these songs, and he does it all the time, you know, like he is constantly on the road. That's right. He and can I do just, whatever I, the fuck he wants. He's not. And also, you know, like, he, here's a guy that's committed and submitted himself to that life, you know. And I, you can't, you can't, uh, as a, particularly as a performer, you know, you can't. You can't underestimate the the power of that and the sort of the discipline in that. So, I, I liked it from that point of view. But as a performance itself, you know, I didn't find it 
I found it challenging more than enjoyable. I just find that sort of social media like backlash against that stuff. I find it really annoying because it's just kind of like you like what what obviously like what do you know about Bob Dylan and what were you honestly expecting? It's like you know going to a fucking Britney Spears concert and going she wasn't even singing live and like <laughs> her, her, her dancing was really shit. It's like <laughs> well what the fuck did you expect? Seriously, yeah, you, do you, you know knew that. any like did did you just like blindly walk in and buy a ticket? without any idea about what you were actually going to see. Yeah, that's a good um, point. You know, it just it gives me the shits. But um, but look, I can say that, yeah, the concert I went to... You know what to, it's I, like? It's, it's, it's like going to a Bob Evans show yeah. and just calling out for Harpoon all night long and leaving <laughs> home. You know, like, that's not... It's a different yeah. guy. It's the same guy, but a different guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a different like, guy. Yeah. No, yeah, it's like walking away from a Bob Evans gig and saying, I didn't play Leaving Home, he didn't yeah, play Harpoon. Yeah. It was fucking shit. It was shit. It's a different guy. It's a different guy. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, a different what? shit guy. Yeah, like, that's just the way that it yeah. rolls. But yeah, I mean, that's that. But like, uh, yeah, like I said, I, he was fan- I I don't remember coming away from that concert thinking anything less than it was really fucking cool so um yeah. i don't know maybe maybe like you say i mean he's an old man i mean well the sometimes there's just <laughs> there's just people that are legends you know like i remember seeing uh this concert in in brooklyn and i was there by myself it was it was during the writing of um only sparrows and it was a, it was just a really bad idea to go over when my son was like four months old to spend a month in new york by myself it was a terrible idea but i went and saw this show out in brooklyn uh, of Evan Dando and um, uh, Juliana Hatfield together. And it was absolutely terrible, but it was one of the best shows that I've ever seen, you know? Like, they forgot lyrics. They, they couldn't... They could barely play the guitars. I don't know if they were high or fucked up or whatever. But the chemistry and the fact that it was these two people um, was absolutely magic. And I think... I think... I mean, I, I just remember that's what a lot of people were saying about the Josh and Bob shows uh, 2017, you know? Uh, they were saying, they were saying like this is one of the worst and best things <laughs> I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. the chemistry is just so real, so palpable. It's palpable. It's like going to a Brian Jonestown massacre show and coming away just going, "That was fucked. All they, they did were was high. fight. All they did was fight. They were all on drugs. I think and they, they were didn't on drugs. Play their songs properly at all." It's so unprofessional. <laughs> the worst band I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm outraged. Yeah, I'm outraged. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, your turn now. Your next Christmas song, Josh. Okay, so my next Christmas song uh, is... This is my favourite Christmas song, and for, for a number of reasons, not least of which is that it's a great song, but it's The Pogues, and it's a song called Fairy Tale in New York. It was Christmas Eve, babe In the drunk tank An old man said to me Won't see another one And then he sang a song The rare old mountain dew I turned my face away Dreamed about you God, I'm the lucky one Came in late ten to one I've got a feeling This year is for me and you 
I first came across this song when, so a bunch of years ago in Sydney, and some people that are listening might remember this, this period, uh, there was a great band called Camels, who's, you know, Dave Springer, uh, yeah. I remember the sound, sound guy for the stars, um, he was the drummer in the Camels, and he also, all the guys in the Camels, uh, this sort of early 2000s um, indie pop band, I guess you'd call them, they, all of them worked at Fish Records, which is where I also worked at the time. And they, every year they had this gig called Camels by Candlelight. And it was at the Hope Town, which is a legendary <laughs> nice. venue in Sydney, which is also now closed down. But it was just this riotously awesome night. Um, and I have these really fond memories of being there with my now wife when she was, you know, my girlfriend. And we'd, we'd go there every year. And, and I'd always get asked to, to get up and do a song. And one year I did um, Mariah Carey's, you know, I don't want too much yeah. Christmas, which is, you know, really fun as well. But this t- particular time I got asked to d- do this song by the Pogues and it was me singing the male one and it was, uh, who was it? It was um, Melanie Horsnell. That's right. Do you remember okay. Mel Horsnell? I do, uh, yes. <coughs> singing great. the part of uh, Kirsty McColl. McCool, yeah, McCall. yeah. Um, and I, it was the first time I heard the song and it's just this like really debaucherous tale of like poor kind of irish american people uh celebrating christmas in the drunk tank and you know they they've they've basically it's 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 basically about like you know alcoholic abuse and spousal abuse (laughs) but somehow framed in this very charming and somehow hopeful um uh christmas song and it is it is such a fucking great song and again like the pogues you know everybody knows the name of the pogues but i'd challenge anybody to name another song of theirs i i don't think i could have um yeah, yeah and it's definitely their most well-known song probably though. yeah and it's just like they did it they wrote it you know i read up about it when i when i had to learn it all those years ago i know that they wrote it kind of as a challenge um but it went on to it never reached that sort of uh that you know f- pinnacle of number one uk mm, chartdom no, yeah it, it got beaten out by the pet shop boys or something but it but they did but they went on to sell 1.8 million copies of the single um, and I think they've basically been dining out on that track since then. But it's just, it is just brilliant. And it's so, you know, it's so uh, raw, you know, like there's these, it's basically an argument between two lovers at Christmas. You know, they've drunk too much eggnog or whatever it is. Um, and it's really full on. Like, he, you know, he calls her a slut and she calls, she calls him a, a pimp. And, a, you know, it's just, it's pretty full on, but it's, it's really, it's really great as well. Yeah, um, I mean, look, you know, I dare say that the, I mean, there's obviously probably quite a few reasons why that song has resonated and has lasted so so long, but um, but also too, you know, like Christmas time, it's a heated, emotional kind of time for a lot of people, and you know, not to get too sort of heavy, but like it is a bit of a kind of red light time for a lot of domestic violence and all that kind of stuff you know yeah that's true and isn't it yeah there is a side to to 
to Christmas, certainly in the Western uh, world of, and and pr- probably the non-religious world, that is kind of a bit fucked up. And mm. I think that song just, I mean, it, it is an extreme version of that, but it's also, like you said, it's really raw, it's really real. Yeah, I mean, it, you, know, you know, you're right. Like Christmas isn't all, all uh, you know, sugar plums and fairies. There's there is a lot of people that struggle with Christmas because they you know expectations for their kids and not wanting to let the kids down and you know it can be an expensive time in a capitalist society trying to keep up with the Joneses and all that kind of stuff which is all the stuff that I actually hate about Christmas you know like that's kind of kind of the capitalist side of it um, and the religious side is and and the you know the conflation of both is is what bugs me about it uh, and I think but I think that there's there's hopeful bits in that song which also kind of bring it back to um, you know the things that I do like about Christmas, which is, you know, solidarity and and finding peace with each other, and you know, like overcoming those kind of things. Um, all right, so I'm going to go to my final Christmas song, um, and it is a classic that I'm sure everyone will know. Um, it's John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Happy Christmas, War Is Over, released in 1971. So this is Christmas. What have you done? Another year over And a new one just begun And so this is Christmas So this song was obviously when John and Yoko were sort of really at the peak of their activism, their peace activism. They famously rented billboards in 12 major cities worldwide um, uh, that from what I can remember from pictures, it was just a black, uh, white canvas with the words, war is over, and then in small writing, if you want it, Happy Christmas from John Ninyoko, which, you know, before we even start to talk about the song, like, that is an, that's just, that blows my mind. That is such an incredible, an incredible thing to do. Um, And it just, I guess it just amazes me so much because I look at today's climate and I just think, oh, where are those people now? Like, Mm. it's just like, what an incredible gesture and 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 i know that like immediately people could be cynical about that and could kind of shoot that down but put as far as like just committing to an idea 
and putting your fucking money, which obviously they had a bit of, where your mouth is. Like, I don't know how you can argue against that. That is fucking serious yeah. shit. I didn't. I didn't know that. I've never heard that story before. It is amazing. I mean, I. I think the thing. It, it does come down to. Maybe the the fact that the world these days is a far more cynical world. So that even if somebody did that, it would have to be like the tone of it, the the font of it, like the the you know somebody would you know some blogger would investigate how it was paid for, whether or not it had become a tax deduction or something like that. You know, like <laughs> the, the cynicism in our world today is just far greater than it was back then i think yeah i think i I know what you mean i I, I definitely in certain in certain ways like the world is a a lot more complicated who who could get away with that now bieber maybe bieber yeah but you know what i wouldn't believe it yeah you wouldn't believe it but you might believe it (laughs) i can't can't believe i just walked straight into that i handed that I i was like your butler with a with, uh, a, with a, a tray, a tray of with laughs. a silver tray, just saying, "Here you go, Mister Pike. Have another I laugh." Now, I now present you with a a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but actually, I mean, if if Bieber did do that for me, I would still have to be cynical because I know that he is a huge. Uh, he's sort of he's a bit of a born again Hillsonger now, so I would I would probably I would I'd have to find religious cynicism in there as well from my own point of view so the world and myself just cynics people just cynics (laughs) but i do i have sort of vague memories of being a kid and like learning this song at like you know and sort of Mm. singing it like at like a end of year school concert when i was like fucking i don't know 10 or something absolutely uh, primary school and um um and even then sort of just being affected by it. I mean, if you, a lot of the lyrics are dated. <laughs> there are mm. some dated lyrics. Um, and in fact, you can probably, I mean, Lennon, when you look back at a lot of his lyrics now, as, uh, particularly when he was sort of at his most uh, p- politically Political, and socially yeah. kind of combative, kind of when he was really going through that, a lot of that stuff has dated a little bit be, due to sort of political correctness and all that kind of stuff. But um, I still think that it's a, a wonderful, uh, at its core, I mean, look, for, even forgetting about what the lyrics are about, I think it's a beautiful melody and a beautiful song. Yeah, um, it's, it's classic. But, um, but yeah, I can, I can kind of, I can buy into it. I can totally buy into it as just a genuine um, and powerful kind of attempt at sort of just uh, trying to get a message through to people, trying to shake people mm. up and, you know, get a message through. An awesome Christmas song. Should we talk about notable mentions? Is that what they say when there's songs that are left and stuff that's left out? Yeah, notable mentions. Notable mentions. I'm going to throw one in uh, because it was one that I wanted was originally in my top three and then it kind of fell out. But um, there's a great song, and it's not even really a Christmas song, but there's just a great line in it that alludes to Christmas. It's a song by the Ramones, and it's called "We're a Happy Family." Oh, okay. And, um, there was an, there's another Ramones Christmas song. There though, probably is. There probably totally is. But uh, there's this great song called We're a Happy Family, which I, when I was, you know, a teenager in, in, in sort of high school, my older brother Brett, who plays drums in Jebs, he, he sort of introduced me to punk music, Sex Pistols and the Ramones and the Clash and the Buzzcocks and all that kind of stuff. He was getting into all of that and sort of siphoning it down through to me. Um, and I remember having the Ramones mania. It was like a 
sort of greatest hits, I guess you'd call it, like 20 songs or something. And one of the songs was We're a Happy Family and there's just this great line that, and I, I should have like done the research so that I could get this correct, but it goes something like, um, our troubles never end, no Christmas cards to send, daddy likes men. <laughs> 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 and it's just a very, very funny line that I've always, <laughs> I've really, always remembered. I've always yeah, remembered. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any, um, any others for you? Well, there's a. I can't remember what it's called, um, but there's a great Tom Waits Christmas song. Oh, what is it called? Um, oh, let me let me quickly Google it. But there is there is actually a, a um, Ramones Christmas song called. It's just called Merry Christmas as well. Um, yeah, Tom Waits Christmas song. Yeah, so it's called Christmas Card from a Hooker in Mi- in Minneapolis. And um, I had a my wife had a book of Tom Waits lyrics, and I read the lyrics before I heard the song. And it's just it's just amazing. It's kind of like the um, it's it's similar in a way to the Pogues one in that it's you know <clears throat> referencing I guess you know down and out people. Um, but it's just beautiful and it's definitely not what you would imagine in a Christmas song. I guess it's, it's, you know, referencing the, the sadness and alone and, you know, loneliness that people Mm. can feel, you know, the detachment from the celebration and the family and the coming together and maybe even the religion, you know, the community that religion can often engender. I think it's, 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 you know, it's kind of relating to that, but it's, it's really, really, it's pretty amazing. It's a bit of a, Two to force of of lyric writing. I would recommend anybody look it up. What about uh, traditional carols? Any traditional carols that stand out? Well, for there's, you? there's actually there's one. Um, I, I again, I'm not sure the name, but this, you know, obviously when you have kids, they at at school at Christmas concerts, they start to learn all these songs. And there's this one that my son was singing around the house in his beautiful little voice, which says it says like. Out, this I'm singing in his voice. Out on the fields, the brogues are dancing, something to turn like ponies <laughs> prancing. And it goes, Oh, Rana, oh, Rana, oh, Rana for Christmas Day. And it's just yeah. so Sounds uplifting. like a waltz. It's, it's really, <laughs> I missed it. I missed his Christmas concert because I was away on tour and it was like one of those classic. I've, I've worked so hard to not miss my children's. You know, yeah. school events and stuff like that, and so I made it to my kids' preschool concert, but I missed my seven-year-old's, uh, you know, second year of school Christmas concert. I made it last year, but this year I was, you know, on on the road, and uh, and I really desperately wanted to hear, you know, the he goes to a tiny school, the forty kids in his school singing this <laughs> this song with their little voices. <laughs> oh, Rana, oh, Rana. So yeah, I th- it's probably called a Rana, but anyway, that's that's oh, uh, my new favorite. But uh, my eldest daughter Ella was. Uh, Chosen to play Mary in the Nativity this year, which is a very, oh. very proud moment. Her first yes. lead. It's her first lead role. It's her first. Oh, it's a first. Yes. So, this uh, is where it all. This is where yeah. it begins. This is where it um, begins. As far as carols go, the one that I really love is Silent Night. I oh, know um, cl- it is beautiful. Like it's got a this. I, I was forced to kind of. Uh, I did this Christmas concert um, by the same people who put on the White Album, which you, you you've done. Yes. Um, this is going back quite a few years now, and um, you were, you were and, forced to do it, were you? Well, you were it was forced. one of the well, I was forced in the sense that the songs were given to us, and we had to learn them. Oh, um, I see, right. right. And um, I had to. Well, we I think we sung it as a big group, like all, it was at the end of the thing, and everybody on stage kind of thing. But I had to learn the harmony to it, which was um, a real struggle. Like it's quite, and I 
well, it's not an unusual harmony, but it took me a little bit of time to learn it. But once I learned it, I just fucking fell in love with it. It's just such a beautiful... Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it now. I know okay. the song. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you sing, <clears throat> so if you start, sing yeah. the lead line, I'll try and come in with the harmony. Okay. So do you want me to go kind of lowish or what? Yeah, maybe start low. Yeah. Silent night, holy night. Holy oh, no, we can't do it. Come, 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 come in anytime, bro. Come in anytime. <laughs> yeah. oh, God. All oh, I could God. hear, all I could hear was just, I just heard a couple of like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I oh, got It's just, I can't. All right, Joshua Pike, thank you so much for joining me on this uh, Good Evans It's a Bobcast Christmas special. I oh, wish a you pleasure. a pleasure. I wish you and your family and all your loved ones a Merry Christmas. And, and same um, to you. Same to you, mate. I, uh, and I look forward to uh, seeing you in the new year. Absolutely. To That's you and yours, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry ooh, Christmas, ooh. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Was that like Yogi Bear? Was that Yogi Bear Merry or Roger Dangerfield? Christmas. Thanks, mate. Love you. Bye bye. Let's uh, we'll we'll end it there.